hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, man, it's so good to be with you. Oh, my goodness. Like, that song, I hope I have a voice left to, like, share with you. Because I'm just like, like, if you're, sitting, if you're sitting online, you probably just heard me singing. My, I'm just like, man, I love that song so much. So good. I needed it. Needed it. Uh, it is great to be with you. Those of you sitting at uh, the Gent Road building here with me, if you're over at Montrose, what is up, my people? It is good to see you as well. And of course, if you're watching online, we're glad to have you uh, checking us out too. Uh, good to have you there. We're in a series right now called First Things First. And so first things first, let me kind of walk you through what we've been talking about a little bit here. So uh, Pastor Jeff kind of opened up a, a dialogue with us last weekend where we're kind of walking through like how do we put the right thing first, the things that are in our lives that we know we want to change, the habits, the cycles, the addictions, the stuff that we just wish we had, we could see that actually shift. Now, before we kind of dig into where we're going to go out today, I'm curious, like how many of us struggle with at least one thing that we know would actually be better for us if we did it? Anybody? I'm going to be honest. Like, there's at least one thing, right, that I really, really struggle with. Like some of you got that Peloton and you got like that subscription and everything and it like looks really good with your bedspread over top of it. It like it dries it out real nice for you, you know, and like you can spread it out and it hangs. It's really, really good. We have a treadmill. I'm pretty sure it's just a blanket catcher. Like I don't know what we're supposed to do with it otherwise. Uh, like how many of you like, you know, actually you don't have to answer anymore. I'm not looking for more transparency. We got you on camera and we're going to actually follow up with you. I'm just totally kidding. That is not how that works. But, uh, you know, like you got like that Bible and you're like, you mean to read it, but really it's just like a good dust collector. Like anybody, okay, that's cool. Yeah, like that happens, right? Or that group that you've been meaning to join, I like need to put myself with those people, do that thing, but you keep putting it off. Like I'll just go next week. I'll go next time. I'll start next season. I'll start next year. Like we just keep like putting those things uh, off or like that budget app on your phone is just, it just become the square that has a pretty color. Like you don't even know what it does anymore. Like you're like, I, I keep putting that stuff off because there's there's something about it. But in our defense, right, because, you know, we all have a version of something that we know we could be or should be doing and we don't do it. In our defense, we really tend to struggle when it comes to, like, anything that requires focus. Like, there's so many things in our life where, like, if it demands our focus, like, whoop, I, I'm sorry, I'm out. Like, I can't pay attention. Like, right now, some of you are just checking out Instagram right now. It's cool. Right here. Look me in the eyes, guys. I'm just kidding. Okay, but, like, we struggle with that so much. Like we, TV used to be this thing where we're like, you know, I'm just going to watch TV. But now we're like, I can't stand commercials. Like that three minute pause between what I'm watching is such a hassle. So now with streaming, like I need to cut down that half hour show to 22 minutes, please. Like, can we just like truncate that? Like, <laughs> excuse me. I don't want to have to put up with that or like make that hour show 43 minutes. There's no way. Or like if you have one of the streaming services where then they put their own commercials in between certain spots, you're like, no, 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 no. Tell me however much I need to pay. I want to get rid of those commercials. Like I got to pay extra because you can't hamper my downtime, right? Like I need that, I need that distraction free stuff, right? And then you go to YouTube. I mean, you go to YouTube, you're like, how do I do this thing, right? Like how do I, how do I fix my leaky roof? How do I, you know, get my kid to listen to me? How do I get my parent to listen to me? You know, all these different YouTube videos out there and you like pop it open and it's like, here's how to do it. And you're like, oh gosh, that's going to be 13 minutes. Yeah, that's too much. Like, is there a shorter one? Is there like a one that I got? Is there a four minute version? That'd be absolutely great. Right. And then of course there's all kinds of things like reels and TikTok, and we're like flowing through these videos and man, it just, we have a hard time focusing. Right. And then like, the oddest thing is true 
because then we'll start to slip into things like maybe we'll binge watch that show that we really, really enjoy and we'll watch like six episodes in a row, you know, or, or we'll be like, some of you, like, you got to be honest, like you're on reels, you're on TikTok and next thing you know, it's like an hour and a half later. Like, I thought I just woke up and now it's bedtime. Like, where did the day go? Like, you're just scrolling through. And so ironically, we have a hard time focusing but then we'll give our lives sometimes just like all of this stuff that just sucks our life away and like what happens. And maybe it's not media, maybe it's not TV, maybe it's not that kind of stuff, but something just like creeps into our life and it helps us stick to the things that we're stuck to. Because we're like, man, I can't get out of this rut. I keep watching this stuff. I keep, I'm in the same routines. I can't seem to shake the change in my life. What's the deal with that? And then when we put that together with how hard it can be to focus on what's good for us, it's no wonder that we have such a hard time grabbing a hold of the things that Jesus calls us to. And so I'll just kind of like roll out the red carpet for you. Here's where I wanna kind of go this week. I want us to kind of ask ourselves this question. When we're asking does this thing, whatever it is that we're engaging, does it connect me or does it compete with me? And so does it connect or compete? Does it connect me closer to the heart of God? Does it connect me more with the person of God? Does it connect me more with the life that God is calling me to or does it compete against those things? Does it get in the way of what Jesus has for me? Does it get in the way of a relationship with him? Does it get in the way of the life that he's calling me to? Does it connect or does it compete? And Pastor Jeff last week talked us through this idea that like when we put the first things first, when we try to put these things out in front of us, then we actually have an opportunity to be more connected with God. And when we actually are more connected with God, he's going to lead us to things that don't feel natural. And so he's gonna ask, because honestly, the things that feel natural get us to where we're at. The fact that it feels natural to sit down at the end of the day and click that thing open or watch that or scroll through that gets you to the place where you feel stuck in it. Our defaults lead us away from life. Jesus calls us to it. And so how do we set ourselves up then to be connected to the life that God has for us? Well, he gave us this really helpful, I think super poignant point that we need to have a predetermined yes. Because if we go into asking, well, God, I'm not really sure the thing that you're asking me to do makes a whole lot of sense. Now we're going to talk ourselves out of it. But see, we talk ourselves right back down to all the places where we get stuck in that relational cycle. We get stuck arguing with a family member. We get stuck on that social media scroll. We get stuck in that addiction. We get stuck in all those different things. And God's saying, if you'll trust me, if you'll follow me, if you're willing to say yes, let me show you how to take that pathway toward life. And he kind of walked us through a key passage really for the series where Jesus said, if you seek the kingdom of God above all else, or if you seek the kingdom of God first and live righteously, he will give you everything you need. When we put ourselves in a position where when Jesus says, would you come with me? And we're automatically gonna say yes. He begins to show you, I'll provide you everything you need. I'll give you what you're looking for. I'll give you, I'll show you what your heart is longing for. I will satisfy you completely, but let, you have to follow me to find that life. And that's what's crazy about this whole thing because God is really offering us this incredible pathway 
Look, I have this wonderful plan for you. Look, I wanna give you life to the full. Look, I wanna give you actual rest. I wanna show you peace. I wanna help build a response in you where you're more joyful, where you're more patient, where you're more full of integrity and self-control. I wanna lead you down a pathway where you're freed from your addictions. Like that's an amazing invitation. And yet for some reason, we slip into the anti-focuses of going after him. And I think sometimes then God just looks at us and he kind of looks like this. He says, why are you the way that you are? Like, why? I'm offering you this life. I'm offering you this pathway. And yet you continue to say, that's what I want, but then walk away from it. Now, obviously this falls apart because Michael hates Toby and God loves you. So we'll move past that, right? But God is inviting you to something different, something life-giving, are we willing to say yes to it? Now, this whole conversation reminds me a whole lot of me because I, I, I don't have to fight against my own health and I don't have to fight against the fact that I'm addicted to food, but I do it anyway sometimes and I want to go down that pathway. Why is that? I don't have to be angry after the Browns lose or after the Buckeyes lose a game where they really could have, should have won after they would have missed a field goal and had apparently what would have been a for sure national championship. I don't have to get angry after all of that falls apart, but I, I, I do. I get really worked up about those things. I don't have to get totally like off the rails when I see people misrepresenting who God is and what he's all about. And I like want to like run to the defense of God as if the, the creator of the universe and the completely all-powerful one needs little old Joe from Akron, Ohio to like defend him. Like I don't have to get all worked up about that, but I do. All of these things, God is saying you don't have to be susceptible to that anger. You don't have to be susceptible to that addiction. You don't have to be susceptible to whatever that is in your life. Follow me. Well, I don't know, God. I kind of want to mess with this on my own. Why do we do that? So this weekend, what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of things that Jesus says to articulate this mindset. Help us find a, a few reasons why it's so important to pay attention to what competes or what connects. And then I want to take a look at why it's so important that we run to him and not just something that seems more healthy. So right before Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, he gives us this illustration here in Matthew 6 where he says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Your eye is like a filter, and so what you read, what you watch, what you absorb, what you consume, as it comes in, if it is light-bearing, then it gives you life. It is not light-bearing. It, it builds and breeds darkness. And so short and sweet, what basically Jesus is saying is, is what you consume affects you. What you consume affects you. It's like a deeper way of saying you are what you eat. Like what you read, what we watch, what we absorb, how we connect, what we're continually spending our time doing, it affects who we're becoming. And so if we want the things of life from Jesus, we have to surround ourselves with things that give the life of Jesus. If we continue to spend time in things that build and breed the darkness, it's going to continue to take us down a pathway that builds and breeds that darkness. Sometimes I wish it weren't that simple because I'm drawn to a lot of those dark things. But the fact of the matter is, in my own life, I see that play out time and time and time again. 
Now, if we want to take a look at what we consume, what we read, what we watch, this has never been more true than it is today in 2023. Uh, Pastor Rich and I were having a conversation uh, this week, and he uh, blurted out the statistic. I'm like, that fits right into what I want to talk about this weekend. Thank you for doing my research for me. That was wonderful. But he said, uh, he, he discovered that 90% of the world's data has been created in the last two years. 90% of the available data that is, that is out there was created in the last two years. And they said, we're on pace to double that data in the next two years. So this exponential growth of all the data that's available to us, it has never been more true to humanity that when we say what you consume affects you. Now, some of that data is great. We can learn about things faster. We can watch the YouTube about how to fix that, how to work on that. We can discover different ways and insights about ourselves, insights about other people. Some of that data is great. And some of that data is like dumb. You know, like for instance, there was a time in humanity, and I'm not necessarily saying we have to go back to this way, but there used to be a day, there was just things called libraries, right? Like some of you know what those are, right? And like you actually had to like do a lot of work to create a book. You know, you had to like have a thought that went from point A to point B, and it could be about something silly. You still had to go through all the work of saying, this is how I want to start, this is how I want to end, this is what I want the cover to look like, this is what I want the title to be, and you had to go through all that work of getting it published, and eventually it finds itself in the library. It finds itself somewhere within the Dewey Decimal System, right? And so it finds itself in the library. And now, all you have to do is take a video of your really cool and smart friend belly flopping off the roof and suddenly it's data, right? Like now that's our library that's available to us in the world. There's just a lot of silly stuff and I love that silly stuff to a fault, right? Like I love watching me some like guilty pleasure. Like you ever see those videos where it's like little kids falling over? I love it. It's hilarious. Like, oh, it's, I wish I didn't, but I do. Uh, just give me more kids falling over. It's so good. But like, that's all a part of that data and it's just created and created and created and created. And then here's some of the other stuff, right? Because we've also never had more access to things like, like murder. Like never before has humanity ever been able to like, I wonder how I could kill somebody. I wonder how I could get away with it. I wonder how, I wonder how people become a murderer. And like, here's the super crazy thing and please don't do this. But like never before in like all of humanity could you just willingly say, I would like to watch a murder right now. You can literally just say, like you can go watch people actually die now. That's awful. Like what we watch, what we consume affects us. And it's never been more true in all of history than it is today. And so whether it's comparing our lives to other people's lives or whether it's the access to hateful messaging that's never been that prevalent before, whether it's the consistency of making light of like families imploding and making it look like that's normal and that's how that's supposed to work, or whether it's something like pornography, or whether it's something like all the things that like just force us to be stressed, 
We're so worked up in things that we can't change anyway, and we're so stressed out about it. We can't sleep sometimes because someone seven million, not seven million miles away, that's like an alien, that doesn't work that way, but you know what I mean. They're really far away, did something, decided something, and I can't sleep because of it. We have so much access to stress-inducing things, and, and there's so much access to critic, critique of everything. You could go to the movie and love the movie and then you can find a hundred articles on why it was absolute trash and why your opinion means nothing. We've never had more access to fatigue in our life. What we watch, what we read, what we consume in our media, in the way that we spend our time, but then also our relationships, it's just all coming at us. How do we break the cycle? How do we break the cycle so that what we consume actually helps us connect with God instead of competes with us and throws us farther into darkness? So as I was really wrestling through this, um, I wanted to show you a few things that I feel like if we can start putting these things into practice, I truly think that we'll start to see more of that light and life show up in our life than maybe ever before, and certainly more than right now. The first thing, and I'll, I'll just give you a hint right now, none of this is rocket science. We just don't tend to do this very much. But the first thing is we should talk with him. We should talk with God. If we want to figure out, is this gonna connect me? Is this gonna bring me toward life? Or is this gonna compete against it? We should talk to him. What if we asked God, is this ruining my thought process? Is this good for me? Is this helpful for me? What if, what if when we're in the moment where that temptation, and we all have varying ones, but honestly, they're more common to all of us than we probably realize. But what if when we're in the midst of those temptations, we just asked God, what do I need the most right now? to get past this temptation. One of my favorite passages is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, God will provide a way out of your temptation. So what that means for me, whenever I give into my temptations, is I'm purposefully giving myself to what competes against God, knowing he would have given me a way out. What if I talk to him first? What if, you know, some of us were in, you know, some, so we're in a dating relationship and we're sitting next to that guy, that girl, and we're starting to get serious. What if we asked God, would you be excited to walk me down the aisle? Is this the person that is connecting me to the life that God is promising for me? Or are they competing with the life that God has for me? What if we talk to him about what to do in our relationships first? God, how do you want me to handle the situation? Not only is this simple, but it, it, it should be first. Literally, first things first. Seek God first above all else. What does he want? Not what do we think he wants. Not what, well, you know, if we look back at the ancient language and if we piece all this together, no, 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 ask him Ask him, because it's relational. It's, a, it's about connecting with him. 
The second thing that I think would help us if we're trying to move more towards things that would connect us as opposed to those that would compete with us is we need to look for ways in which we can replace the dark for the light. How do we replace the dark for the light? Like, for instance, if we, listen, if we listened more to things like the Bible on the way to work instead of whatever it is that we're listening to, it will change the foundation of how you're thinking throughout the day. At a minimum, even if it's confusing and you have no idea what he was talking about. At a minimum, now you're asking yourself the question throughout the day, I wonder what God meant by, I wonder why God would, I wonder why he would say, I wonder how that impacts me. I wonder if that's an attitude I should be looking for. I wonder, at a minimum, we're wondering about God. And at a maximum, he is starting to, import into us something that he has specifically for us. If we listened to Christ-centered music as opposed to whatever, it actually does change our perspective and what we're thinking about. And I know there's a lot of other music out there that a lot of times is just more fun. Sometimes it just sounds better. Sometimes it, it gets the, I remember when this song came out or whatever. Like I love other music that's not Christ-centered, but Hands down, when I listen to music that is focused on Jesus, I walk into that next meeting, that next appointment. My, I walk into my house on a better foundation. I'm thinking more about him. I'm thinking more about my life with him as opposed to whatever. What if whatever it was, what if we looked for ways to put light in the pursuit of life and the pursuit of Jesus in place of some of the things that are our defaults? Because our defaults lead us to where we're at. And so when we're looking at all the ways in which we're stuck, maybe our defaults are leading us there. Where can we put light in instead? There's this passage that one of my friends at the office pointed out to me this week. I love this. It was such a good, such a good passage. In Hebrews 12 he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If we stripped off the things that compete if we stripped off and we put down all the things that try to keep us from the life that God wants to offer to us, and instead we actually fixed our eyes on Jesus, that you're the one that wants to transform my relationship. You're the one that wants to transform my marriage. You're the one that wants to transform my relationship with my parents or the relationship with my children. You're the one that wants to help me through my anxieties. You're the one that wants to do that. Can I fix my eyes on you? Instead of picking up the weights over and over and over again and saying, actually, I'll just sit over here, hunkered down under the weight of all of this. What if we shed that and instead fixed our eyes on Jesus? And then I was talking with a friend of mine just this week and he said, man, I just wish Jesus would change me faster. But the short version of my interaction with him is he was crawling to Jesus and I don't mean in humility, I mean in speed. I still do all the stuff that I wanna do. Most, a lot of it still competes for my connection with Jesus. But I'm trying to do this little thing and this little thing here and I'm just wondering why Jesus isn't changing me faster. Let us run with endurance. I'm tired, run 
What if we ran toward Jesus? Here's a side challenge. This is not the point of what I want to talk about this weekend, but here's a side. What if, what if we ran after Jesus for a while? What if we like went for him? What if instead of like, I wonder why my, you know, I read a Bible verse in the morning or I do my short little devotional. Like if that's you, like what if instead of like, I did my little bit of Jesus and coffee in the morning, what if we like ran after him? What if we like dug into the stories of Jesus and really wrestled with who is he and how is he interacting with me and what is he leading me to? What if we like ran into the relationships in our life that are trying to point us to Jesus and I scheduled the time with the pastor, I scheduled the time with the counselor, I scheduled the time with a group leader, I went to my Christian friends, I said, would you help me lock into Jesus? What if we actually went to God in prayer and I don't mean just rattling off all the things I wish were different in the world, I mean like really seeking him. Would you show me, would you open up my heart? Would you begin to help me understand what's competing and help me to connect with you? Would you give me more of the life that you bring? What if we ran after Jesus? Because when we run after Jesus, that's when the life change really takes place in a speed that feels like we can't stop it. What if we ran after him? Jesus is calling us to life Are we willing to set aside all the things that entangle us and instead fix our eyes on him? The third thing that I wrote down about trying to connect instead of compete is what if we ran after life-giving relationships? Because it's not all about just like make sure you stop watching this and make sure you start watching this. That's not even the point of what I'm saying. It might apply to you, but it's not the point of what I'm saying. We don't actually have to watch anything. Like some of us, myself included, I can get so default stuck into like, you know what, instead of turning on this show, maybe I should turn on this show. What if we like just put that down and didn't watch something? And like for those of you that live with some, what if we... Man, I really wish that, you know, me and my spouse had a closer relationship. What's on tonight, honey? (laughs) What if we, like, ran toward life-giving relationships? Some of us desperately wish we had closer relationships with our parents or with our kids. What if we were eight episodes behind on the show that we really, really liked and instead went and built a relationship with the people that we wish we were closer to? What if instead of engaging in one more scroll through a bunch of reels? What if we like slow down and maybe we pray for our three? That's one of the things we say around here at Grace. We wanna pray for people that we just want to know the life of Jesus. Like, what if, we, what if we prayed instead of that? What if we ran like into the group? I'll give you a little bit of a behind the curtains thing. Some of you are like, I don't know that I want to be in a group of people that just talk about Jesus or talk about the Bible all the time. I've heard those kind of things come out of some of your mouths. That's fine. I get it. You're being honest, and I super appreciate that. But here's the thing. A lot of people that go to that stuff, they don't always feel like going either. You don't go to that stuff only when you're super excited for it. You go to that stuff because you're running after Jesus. 
You, you engage those relationships because you're trying to prioritize what is Jesus doing in my life and how can I invest in other people and how can they invest into me and how do they help me run more closely with Jesus? It's like, well, that'd be awkward. It's awkward for most people when they try that stuff out because you're not there. You don't know those people yet, but you're running after Jesus together. And guess what? All the people that are there, they did that too. What if we ran after life-giving relationships and we called the friend, we sent the text. What if, I mean, what if it's something simple? Like, I've been meaning to do that thing in my bathroom for years. Call your buddy you haven't seen for a while and say, what are you doing tonight? Nothing, just scrolling through Netflix. Why don't you come over and help me paint my bathroom? And free labor, right? So like, it's just, but we can connect with people. And oh, by the way, this is not an accident. It's not run after relationships. If we wanna connect with God, it's run after life-giving relationships. Run after people that help you see Jesus more clearly. Now here's something else I wanna clarify. Some of you just heard run after relationships with Christians. It's not what I said. I said run after life-giving relationships because sometimes the most life-giving thing you can do is to be with people that don't yet know Jesus. Jesus spent a lot of his time with people that didn't want anything to do with God yet, that didn't understand him or didn't know that they wanted to eventually follow him. He spent a lot of time with them. The Bible says he straight up was a friend to sinners. But you know what happened when they hung out? Do you think that they made Jesus more dark or do you think Jesus infused light into them? Sometimes being with people that need your help that need the shoulder to cry on, that need the support, that need to understand God's love, sometimes that is one of the most life-giving things you can do. We can run after life-giving relationships. And the fourth thing I wrote down was sometimes we need to change the environment. Some of us just straight up, there are certain places in our life that like trigger certain things. We have certain habits because we're used to doing certain things in certain places with certain people. What if we change the environment? What if we hung out with that friend, group of friends somewhere else? What, what if we shook up that group of friends? Because every time I hang out with the five of you, I do things that I don't wanna do. Well, shake it up. You don't necessarily, maybe you do. That's why you talk to him first. Maybe you don't have to just shed those relationships completely, but how do we shake it up? I don't know, Pastor Joe, like every time, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily, like I, I don't want to sleep with my girlfriend, but every time I'm with my girlfriend, we just get to place, and I don't know. It's like, well, let's change the environment. Maybe, maybe if that's the thing that you're trying to pursue because you want to connect more with God and not compete with the things that, that compete for your allegiance with him, then maybe, you know, I don't know, you could like stop hanging out by yourself alone in dark places. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just like, maybe we could change the environment. I don't know, every time I get together with that group of friends, we just start laughing about the stupidest things and there are things that are kind of, po well, it's changing environment. If there's something around you, maybe it's putting your phone somewhere else. Maybe it's putting a sticky note on the mirror. Whatever it is, change the environment. Shake it up. And if it stops working, change the environment. But every time that an environment, we feel like it triggers us and we're not willing to be strong enough or we can't be strong enough to overcome that environment, we need to change it. Sometimes we have 
to be willing to let God change up what's going on inside of us. And so if we talk with him and we replace the dark with the light and we run after life-giving relationships and we work on changing the environment around us, when we do these things, we're beginning to seek God and we're trusting that his direction is a life-giving one. And we're choosing to believe that what he's bringing us to is actually better and more satisfying and more life-giving and more peace-giving in our life than whatever we could muscle up on our own. But here's the thing. Some of us, we read this list and it still sounds a whole lot like just try harder. Just do it better. Just stop doing bad things and start doing good things. But there's a difference between what Jesus is inviting us to than just working on some self-help techniques. I wanna show you this interaction that Jesus had with someone in the fourth chapter of John. Many of you might know it's the woman at the well. It's a great passage to just dig into for a long time. But we're gonna look at a couple of verses here. Jesus replied to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you, If you only knew who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Anyone who drinks this water, he's talking about the water that's in the well. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give, that I give, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus is not simply saying, stop drinking Diet Dr. Pepper and start drinking more water. That's all you gotta do. Jesus is not saying, stop smoking and just start chewing gum instead. He's not saying, swap your addictions. He's not saying, well, stop watching, you know, rated R and move to PG-13. He's not just saying, like, swap this for that. What he is saying is, what if, what if, It was living water. Jesus is playing an entirely different game. We're sitting down at the table trying to play checkers and Jesus is ready to play football. It's totally different, totally different rules. He's bringing lightning to a knife fight. We're trying to get better at this. And he's saying, I am the God of the universe, the creator of you and your soul. I know everything about you. I know what brings you life. I am bringing full life, the fullness of who I am as God to bear, to invite you into life as a person. What are we talking about? Just try harder. Come to me. I will give you living water. He's bringing the full weight of the Jedi and all of the force to an uncivilized blaster fight. Nerds, you're welcome. Okay, like it's just he is bringing life to where there is none. He's changing the ballgame. I'm not just saying Do a little bit of this habit and your life will get better. I'm saying, come to me, be with me. Let me show you how to do this. You can't break the cycles on your own. Give yourself over to me and watch me begin to break through those things that are holding you back. He's bringing fresh, bubbling, eternal, life-giving water to the lives that feel overwhelmed and parched with the dryness of life 
He's bringing healing where we need it the most. Living water. This is a radical and disruptive idea for us. We are so prone, even when something clicks and we realize we need to change something, we are so prone to still just want to do it ourselves, to work harder, to force the issue, to prove that we're right, to prove that we have the willpower and I can bust through this addiction. We're so prone to just say, I got this. And Jesus, time and time again, says, You don't. <laughs> And it's not because he doesn't want you to. It's because he wants you to understand how to find life. And it's in him. This last week was uh, a rough one uh, for me. And I know that many of you probably had really hard weeks too. So I'm not trying to be comparative. It was just a rough week. Um, I had to navigate... Uh, one of the hardest things I've probably ever had to navigate in interpersonal relationships in my life group this week. It was rough. Um, I had, uh, actually my wife had an extended family member pass away this week unexpectedly in her 30s. Um, Husband's devastated, leaves a two-year-old and a four-year-old behind, like just terrible. Um, I felt really disconnected from my daughter this week um, in a way that I haven't fully experienced yet. I didn't like that. Um, I dropped the ball on a few things I was being asked for. I had a few misfires with some interactions at the office this week. That's a euphemism for that didn't go as I hoped or planned. Um, My team was navigating some ridiculous and super unique travel situations with our team in Mazatlan. Uh, On our end, certainly not as stressful as that looked for the actual team, but a weight. You know, we want to work with and and, and protect and care for and, and help our teams and felt that weight. We had a partner organization that I work with. Before any and all of this stuff blew up, they had a ton of stuff scheduled in this week that I needed to be at and be a part of. And so still fitting all of that in with the normal stuff, with all this stuff that I just mentioned. Um, I had to tell a good friend of mine, they've been working for a year on this initiative and I love what he's working on. I love the heart behind it. And I had to tell him this week, I can't make it to your kickoff event. I feel terrible. I can't, I can't make it. I was just exhausted. I was so depleted. I felt like I just had nothing more to give. And this was on Wednesday night that I'm really feeling at the end of my rope. Oh, and on top of that, I had like for the first time in like nine months had a super reversion back to some of my old eating habits. And then I show up at my life group that I host and I'm just being honest, I didn't want them to come over. I'm like, I'm done. I don't have any more to give. (laughs) I just wanted to go to bed or watch Netflix is what I wanted to do. Leave me alone. But people are coming over and... uh, 
I wasn't at the point to call everybody and say, don't come to my house. I wasn't, that felt overly rude. And so as people were showing up, it, it wasn't just clicking. And so I'm still feeling all of that anxiety of like, I don't want to be here right now. And I like kind of nonchalantly go over to a corner in my house. And I, said, I just said, God, I don't have it in me now. I don't know what to say. I'm exhausted. I, I don't want to have these conversations. I'm feeling ridiculously introverted. But they're here. So like if you could just do something, that would be great because I got nothing else. And so we started the conversation and it started to unfold and we, um, <clears throat> we ended up having a great conversation about donkeys uh, you can read Numbers 22. You're welcome. Uh, had a great conversation about donkeys. And it really, this is not where I was necessarily planning on going. And, and all of a sudden we're talking about just some phenomenal things about like the pathways that get set before you as God calls you down pathways that you least expect and how he shows up when you're willing to just be with him. And this whole time I just felt like it was almost like God like slowly sitting me up in my chair like, I know you said you have no more, I got you. And as that conversation was going on, like in real time, I got like re-impassioned about how much I truly love the people that are in my living room. Like love them. And then I had almost forgotten before the, the group got started, even though we had shifted our time for this, we were kicking off. There's, a, there's about seven of our life group that are gonna go on a missions trip to Guatemala this summer. And we were having our first team meeting that night. I'm like, oh yeah, we gotta do that too. Which at the beginning of group, that's it, final straw, I'm done. I, I can't do one more thing tonight. But by the time that group happened, I was like so excited looking eyeball to eyeball with these people that God reminded me how much I love and how much they love me, which was not the point, but I was reminded of that. And we step into that meeting. We got super excited about what's coming on. And you see some like fires coming alive in people. And that was great. And then they all left at about nine o'clock or so. And then like I, at that point in time, I'm like so aware of what just happened in that day, let alone that week, that I had spent the first two thirds, three quarters of the day depleted and instead of running to what connected me to God, I was running to what competed against that closeness with him and I was feeling the depletion. I was feeling like I was trying to do it on my own. I was feeling the defeatedness of what happens when I run to the stuff that's not life-giving, that's not the living water. I was feeling the emptiness of trying to muscle it up on my own and not shedding off all the things that entangle me. And I was running to all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, because I absolutely had to, God got my attention. How about you run to me instead? And it doesn't always happen this quickly, but within a matter of hours, now I'm at the end, I'm sending the last people out of my house when at the moment... A couple moments prior, I didn't even want them there. Now I'm fired up. And what I'm sharing with you this weekend is not what was on my notes as of Wednesday night. And now I'm like getting into my scripture. I'm opening up my notes and suddenly I'm like, all right, Lord, I kind of see what you're doing here. And I'm like fired up to share with you some of the stuff that God's doing in my life. And Thursday, I was so like spiritually motivated to like do what I know I need to do for my physical health. 
and get back on that journey with him. And I was so motivated for the meeting. I, I had a wonderful day. I was still tired. God just showed up. I had the wonderful pleasure this weekend of officiating the funeral for that cousin. And as I'm watching this, and there's some weird family dynamics in this situation too, like some weird ones. Like we had the police there just in case, (laughs) for real. (laughs) And I just felt like, man, the Lord showed up with the uncle that like wants nothing to do with God and in tears about Is that what life is about? With the husband that feels completely devastated and is now realizing that maybe this room full of people, maybe the Lord is there to walk him through the valley of the shadow of death. The Lord was so gracious. When we run toward Jesus, when we run toward what connects us with him, life is there. Maybe not always the way that we thought, maybe not always at the speed that we hoped, but it's there. And it's living water. It is life-changing water. It is the refreshing water for our souls. In the next few weeks, we're gonna continue to unravel some of this stuff of how do we put first things first? How do we seek Jesus if we wanna see the change happen in our life that we long for at the deepest level? But I pray this week that we start to look and we start to ask the question, if what I consume affects me, relationships, media, my time, What if we ran after the living water that connects us with our living God instead of settling for what competes? As the band comes out and sets up this time for us with some music, I just wonder if even right now this is one of those moments where we seek him first. Some of us, we love this moment. Others of us, we can't wait for a couple minutes to be over so that we can get on with the rest of our day. But what if we used this moment to seek him, to pray through the lyrics, to offer something up that maybe we've been competing for our heart? What if we run that race together? Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your invitation to be with you. Thank you for the invitation to, to experience the living water of you, to be connected to you that you'll walk us through the crazy stuff, that you'll walk us through the, the hard stuff. Jesus, you bring a satisfaction to us that makes no sense otherwise. You give us the strength when we need it the most. You bring peace when we're just out of control if we would run to you. Help us to run, Jesus. Be with us in these moments. Continue to show us your faithfulness. And it's your name we pray.